0: welcome to the pope on film i am bunny williams and with me is
1: i am the pope in questioned my name is reverend steve i am the founder of the church of ed wood actual thing probably worth a google this is episode 267 of the podcast yes yes the little lebowski urban achievers and proud we are of all of that Bunny, uh, first off, um, you know, ever since uh, Blarns and Flobles fired me in 2018, I've kind of been floating out there and, and not sure what to do, but I, I figured it out. I talked it over with the company and Dairy Queen's just going to let me come back. Yes. I'll always have a home at the Dairy Queen.
0: Yes. That's good. Oh, so that's good. You know, and, it's because it's, it's it's like you know it's like that, like how many babies fit in a, a tire? Yeah,
1: yeah, like that old, like that old saying, yeah. like that old. You know, when people think of this podcast, when people think of the Pope on Film podcast, they no doubt think, "Oh, well." That's a two-man show. That's Bunny and Steve. If people don't realize this, is that when we were getting set up to do the podcast, there was a third person that was going to do the podcast with us, and that was Johnny, Johnny Savage. And let me tell you, I, for one, am glad that Johnny left the show because one time he went into my drugstore and he tried to steal my stamp machine. Mm -hmm. That boy is no good. No. Just look at his parents, you can tell he's no good. Uh-huh. So, I'm really excited about this week. In case you couldn't tell, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty darn excited about this week.
0: Money? Yes!
1: Florida! No! I am not talking about the mom from Good Times. I wish I was. Unfortunately, I'm talking about the state. Florida has become a coronavirus hotspot. How bad is it? Well, recently, the Department of Health estimated that Florida could result in up to 10 million people infected with this deadly pandemic. 10 million. And that's just one state. That's crazy. Like, there's a hurricane right now on its way. Hurricane Heather or something like that. The south, the southern half of the United States is so fucked up right now that one state actually said, sure, there's a hurricane coming. There's going to be a lot of property damage and possibly people will die. But on the positive side, when hurricanes do hit, people hide in place and the fact that so many people in the state will be in wars will help our coronavirus numbers yeah Mm -hmm. and that's really fucked up to think about you know that's a really
0: That that a hurricane yeah will help your coronavirus numbers Yeah, Yeah. I don't know, dude. I'm just at the point where I'm starting to root for the fucking virus. You know, go virus. You know, because
1: we're at the part in Rocky Four where the Russians are starting to chant Rocky. (laughs) that's where. So so. They're hitting record high numbers in Florida in regards to infected people. Florida has quickly become the absolute epicenter of this pandemic in the United States, and some might even say the world. Now, in un- in other news, Disney World is open! Yes. hey, uh-huh. And since... World in California rightfully delayed their opening. Disney World is the only American Disney theme park open right now, and so people from all over America, including also similarly suffering California, are getting into a packed airplane and headed straight to a coronavirus hotspot, possibly getting a pair of mouse ears with a free side order of COVID-19, and then going back to their home state, having a Disney vacation, but making everything worse. And also, I've been looking at YouTube. As far as I can tell right now, Disney parks are uh, 50% vacationers and 50% YouTubers desperate for theme park content.
0: Yeah, It's been really interesting. It's like, God huh? goddamn, desperate. I mean, come on, because this is like jumping in this, into the swimming pool when you literally just watch the kids pee in it
1: yeah hey i'm johnny youtube and i've got five hundred thousand subscribers why because i go to theme parks and it's suddenly it's like march 30th okay back to my f- 30 part series on what i have in my fridge <laughs> so once disney world opened back up so you know i imagine that like you go to disney world and you're just bumping into different goddamn youtubers you know that's got to be annoying. Yeah. Oh, look, it's Tin Tracker, Alex the Historian, Matterhorn Matt, Steamboat Steve, Fresh Baked, Adam the Woo, Happy Place Explorers, Fun Family Florida, Provost Part Pass, Danny 102, Offhand Disney, Fresh Baked, Super Enthused, and Random Land, whose host, Justin Scared, has a voice so annoying that, hey, Random Land, Yoko Ono called, and she wants her goddamn voice box back. Ooh. You probably can't tell but i'm really upset that disney world is open you probably can't tell it's subtle yes it's, it's subtle and also and also i i've been dreaming of a disney world vacation i went to disneyland like a shit ton of times but i always dreamed of a disney world vacation i'm not gonna go now half of the things are freaking close yeah You know? Like, you go to Disney World now, I bet you're excited to go to a theme park after being stuck at home for a couple of months, but it's not Disney World. It's not the entire full 100% experience, which is what I want. There's no point in going there right now. And so here's some recent Disney World news for you, Bunny. to To show you just how fucked up existence is right now. So, Disney World said to get into our parks, to get into the Disney World parks, you gotta wear a mask. While you are in the parks, you have to wear a mask. Period. You gotta wear a mask. So all of these douchebags are like, "Oh yeah, Disney. Well, what about eating and drinking, huh? Do we need masks then?" And so Disney said, okay, fine. When you're eating and drinking in the park, you can take off your mask. So what did these dumbasses fucking do? They said, okay, here's a choro and a goddamn soda, and I'm going to walk around the entire park and drinking and eating these things, and that's how I'll not wear a mask for my entire time in fucking Disney World. You're in a goddamn theme park. Brilliant. Brilliant first state for the coronavirus and you found a way to be at Disney World without a mask you're a fucking idiot
0: I, I, like how much work do you put into in, in trying to infect other human beings
1: yeah
0: yeah yeah that's basically what this is so i can uh, i can i can literally get around being a decent person yeah with this loophole, like, yeah. I, I, I hope you're proud. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not yeah. dead sure what the reaction to that should appropriately be. Yeah.
1: So Disney said, okay, since we have to make this a goddamn rule... Every time you are eating or drinking in any way whatsoever, you have to be stationary when you do it. You have to be standing in place or sitting down at a seating area. You cannot walk around eating and drinking anymore at the parks. And at this point in time, motherfuckers, just close your goddamn park. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. It's ridiculous. Disneyland is a God, Disney World is a goddamn monster right now.
0: Because you know yes. there'll be something behind that, and then there'll be something behind that too, and it'll be like, you know. Yeah. No, so so they say you'll have to be sitting, so they'll start bringing their fucking lawn chairs, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it's freaking
1: ridiculous. And then there'll be
0: something stupid ass after that. Yeah. Well, let's do this now, and they will come across with something else. Yeah, just shut the fuck down. Yeah, is freaking ridiculous. Uh, okay, but it's but it's capitalism as long as the money's coming in.
1: Yeah, yeah, they're made. They're making money on their theme parks again, and they don't give a crap how horrible it is that they're doing this right now. Yeah, yeah, fucking stupid. Okay, there you go. Money. Yes. The year 2020 has been absolutely batshit insane. Uh, So much so that we've been pretty much desensitized in America. And and so much so that when the year hits us with things like murder hornets and President Kanye, Americans are just way too exhausted to deal with whatever crazy-ass new thing pops up, you know? Yeah. We're all exhausted about everything. Therefore, it should come as no surprise to anyone to hear this phrase My little pony has a nutty problem. You doing good there, bunny? Yeah. I'm going to get you some milk from the milk bar that I've got right over here. That's more of a. Is that what that is? Yeah. Jellical, it's my jellical background oh. for those of you who are listening to this i'm changing the background for every segment it's fun I love it. <laughs> so my little pony has a nazi problem let me try and explain so so there are bronies and bronies are adult male my little pony fans and as it so happens, most of them are white. And when you get a bunch of white guys around, then uh, then of course some of them are going to be white supremacists. Yes. So apparently uh... You know, so there then also there are different types of bronies. There are bronies out there that honestly, legitimately love the stories of Fluttershy and Twilight Sparkle and Friendship and working together and magic and, and, and all of that. And they legitimately like My Little Pony in, in a very wholesome way. But there are also some bronies who just love the irony of a grown man loving ponies. So there are some people that are just kind okay.
2: of
1: they, they identify as bronies, but also, like, ironically, like, like yeah. they're, they're, they're full of shit.
0: So which is uh, a concept in and of itself. Yeah, it hurts my brain. Yeah, there's a
1: very popular. So there's a very popular My Little Pony image board called Derpy Boru. It was born out of 4chan. Which Where all good things grow. <laughs> yeah, already a uh, big red flag. And it, at Derpy Boru, my little pony fans can share fan-made images. And just like 4chan, Derpy Boru has a strict no censorship rule. So they've got a s they've got a strict no censorship rule. Basically is she okay? Huh?
0: She needs okay? talking. Yeah. I I'm I'm not getting it oh, all. Okay. okay. Do you want she... some marijuana? And now she shows me your ass.
1: Oh, Very sweet.
0: Things aren't usually as interesting on this side. <laughs> nice. It's, yeah, on my side, it's usually insane. I'm
1: going to move my background so you can get the full the full cat of it. I believe that's a cat right here, but I'm not entirely sure. Anyway. Yeah. So, derp, like 4chan, Derpy Boru has a strict no censorship rule. And basically, whenever a website says that there's a no censorship rule, Nazis show up like roaches around food. Yeah. And so Derpy Boru has always had an alt-right problem. But the well, well, My Little Pony has always had an alt-right problem, but the brony community has always just grinned and bared it like, oh, yeah, there there are some. Uh, Nazi images on Derpy Boru and some racist images, but hey, we believe in no censorship. So that means anything goes. And 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 so they never had a problem with that. Yeah. But ever since uh, Black Lives Matter and social unrest and all of that, suddenly the brony community is taking a hard look at itself and, and realizing, oh shit, Derpy Boru has over 900 plus images tagged as racist. Maybe we need to do something about this. Which means that, which which actually means, if you really think about it, that the brony community is doing more to police itself
0: than the police.
1: Yeah. So it also, yeah. like, for the American the, police... The whole the concept
0: is really, from beginning to end, is just really hurting my brain. Please, please continue. Uh, that's pretty much it. Right now the brony
1: community is fighting with members of its own organization that that have there are images of like
0: nazi ponies i I mean they're out there but like even when you're starting with the concept of I don't really like My Little Pony. I just want to seem like a guy who likes My Little Pony. Just starting from that concept, how could things go wrong? (laughs) How could we go afoul from there? So that once we add, I don't really like My Little Pony. I I just want to seem like a guy who likes Pony. My little pony, and I'm a fucking Nazi too. yeah, yeah, pretty much. How much farther can we push this, okay? if we're trying to get it swept to the drain? <laughs> yeah, like what 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 weird ass fucking thing could we pile on top of that? you know? I do not
1: know. But right now, the brony community is fighting within itself, trying to police itself and hopefully purge some of the uh, racists from its community, which does mean that bronies are doing more to combat white supremacists in their ranks than the United States uh, police forces. But (laughs) that's beside the point. The point is, there are Nazi bronies out there.
0: Yes, That's there a are Nazi burritos.
1: List of Just... bizarre things. I was watching some documentary about the 1960s. I was watching a documentary about the Broadway play Beatlemania. Okay. And they were talking about the reason why historians say that the 1960s was the most important decade in America is because of how quickly things changed for the American people. And I'm like, bitch, in the beginning of March, I was watching three movies a week. At the (laughs) end of March, I forgot what the fucking sun looked like. (laughs) Fuck you about the 60s or times of change. Fuck you. (sighs) Yeah. I know change. I know goddamn change. So it, is, it is really weird to wear normal clothes. Yes. Sometime around June, I was like, I am never taking off pajama pants.
0: Yeah, I got to so- get back into my pajama pants. I've been wearing real pants for the past couple of days now, and I, I'm not liking it.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, Yeah. Know how that feels. Know how that feels. So the only place I think we could possibly go from here is I don't like my little pony, but I want to seem like a guy who does like my, po- my little pony. And I'm a Nazi who has a collection of human teeth. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's got to be someplace like that. Yeah. Over here, as you can see,
1: I've got my Adolf Hitler skull. Yes. In a nice, uh, In a nice prominent display in the house. And over here is my rare Fluttershy doll. <laughs> That's a thing. Yeah. And that is weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also tied it back into Chuck Klosterman, so really, really happy with yes, that. Yes, it
0: did. I I I
1: noticed that. Okay, thank you. And oh buddy! Yes! We still have a full show to get to. We need to talk about ranch dressing. We need to talk about hands on a hard body. We need to talk about so much. We need to talk about the conceptualization, the whole abstraction, the obtuseness of this week's film. We also need to talk about Bob Odenkirk and David Cross and how HBO hates them.
0: Okay.
1: So we have a we have a, a full show to get to, but before we get to any of that, maybe we should take a break. Shouldn't we take a break?
0: We should take a break.
1: We will be right back with more of the Pope on film after this. do 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 and break.
0: No great mind has ever existed without a touch of madness.
2: I love you, Puckett!
1: Do some investigating. Did you think I'm myself when I'm a wolf? <laughs> you did seem like freakishly strong. You had those claws and those teeth.
0: <laughs> Plus, you know, you were drunk, so I knew it was you.
2: Hello. Hello. My. What big teeth you have. Hmm.
1: That's not all. <laughs> Tell him what you told me. He was a big wolf cop. Lou, you're a wolf. Cop. Yeah, I'm the wolf cop. Cop, cop. Yeah, I'm the wolf cop. Hello. Carl. Oh, my God. It'd be all Yeah, I'm the wolf cop. Cop, cop, cop. Yeah. Hey. And we're back with more of the Popon film recently on Twitter. Before we get to any segments, I'm trying to say some witty banter before we get to the segments after a break. Yeah. I uh, cut a clip from Waiting for Guffman and put it on Twitter. Not even a clip, just like two sentences from Waiting for Guffman, because Trump Trump, when he does these rallies, when he when he's in front of people, when he's fr- in front of a crowd, he always makes a bunch of shit up. And he's always like, let me tell you the story. I was somewhere and this big, muscular guy, he was just crying because he was so happy with me and the job I've done as president. And he always tells these stories that yeah. this person, you know, people are saying People are saying I've done more for black people than Abraham Lincoln. And, and whenever he, he says these things, it's like it's obvious that he's just completely talking out of his ass. So I put a clip, I cut a clip of Corky St. Clair saying I was out shopping for my wife, Bonnie, yeah. <laughs> I bought her clothes. And it's like that is more believable to me. Yeah. Then, when Donald Trump is talking about meeting these uh, very big, muscular men who are crying in front of him, mm-hmm. I believe Corky has a wife. Then I do that. Uh, Donald Trump says anything meaningful.
0: Yes. And Corky also had the earring in his right ear, which I yes. don't think Christopher Guest would have mistaken.
1: Hey, uh, fun fact that I uh, learned for the podcast, but didn't write down for this week's movie. Um, Eugene Levy was incapable of stopping laughing whenever Christopher Guest as Corky was doing dance moves, showing them dance moves. yeah. There's a scene where Corky is uh, and everybody is dancing, and you see Eugene Levy in the front dancing and dancing and dancing. But then, once it's time for Corky to teach dance moves, Eugene Levy disappears to the absolute back of the room because he had to hide his face. <laughs> Her guest was dancing. And it's so funny when you know that to see, like, he's there and he's dancing and he's having fun. And then Corky is showing dance moves and suddenly Eugene Levy massively just just transports to the back of the room and you can just see his hair cuz he's hiding his face cuz he's laughing so much anyway let's get to it <clears throat> buddy yes Are you ready for another exciting installment of everyone's favorite podcast segment, Bunny Versus? Are you ready? Are you pumped? Are you amped? Are you psyched? Are you primed? Are you amped up? Are you ready? Are you ready and raring to go? Are you ready to do it, to do it, to it, to go downtown, to take that hill, to ride Space Mountain? Woo! Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'm ready. Without any further ado, it's time once again for Bunny Versus, and here is your host,
0: Bunny Williams! Take it away, Bunny! So how much longer before we're asked to leave NATO? Um. Is what I'm wondering.
1: Um. The North American Tamale Organization? I don't know. Probably soon.
0: I mean, because now now we're at the point where other countries and entities are just flat out denouncing us. Canada made a statement saying America is unfit for refugees. Duh, do you think? (laughs) But even still, you know, that's like a big fucking thing. For other countries to, to start declaring us that. And uh, the UN just just came out with uh, some kind of a statement about, like, being an enemy to human rights <laughs> or something along that line. Jesus. Yeah. You know. And I- you got to think with as much of a joke we are in other countries... I'm sure their world leaders are well aware that we still have nukes, so they can't just laugh. Yeah. They have to take serious consideration of what they're going to do. Yeah. Because they've got to know that once this government squashes the American people, they're next. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, well, there's also the fact that that Donald Trump is just a five year old. Yeah. In order to explain this, I need to talk about my son's poop. So, oh, please do. Okay. So when Maxwell was round about five. You know, Emerald and Amber were in the house and then uh, Bella and then my two youngest and then my wife and I. And that's seven people in one very small house. And and also, you know, Emerald and Amber, they were just the queens of taking baths. Like every day they would take a long, hot bath and a lot of showers and just our water bill was through the roof one month. Just absolutely. Through the roof and we were trying to think of ways to to cut down on water consumption and at, at some point in time i said hey maybe you don't have to flush the toilet every time you go to the bathroom <laughs> it depends on the level of severity and apparently that's stuck in maxwell's head and you know when he even eat way past that our water bill is fine and and he still sometimes has a hard he doesn't flush 100% and nowadays we tell him like hey that was like years ago that was like f-
2: yeah.
1: 3 or 4 years ago flush every time that was like <laughs> please flush every time but he just a 5 year old maxwell got it in his head and 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 he he heard what we said and took some of that and just i will flush never <laughs> And so it's obvious that at some point between January 2020 and and March 2020, some person, some lackey, some person in the Trump administration said, you know, it's possible that when it warms up that that will hurt the coronavirus and the coronavirus will die down and trump has that five-year-old <clears throat> brain and just something in trump's head said oh so when it gets warmer it'll just go away so i don't have to do shit about the coronavirus yeah once summer comes it'll magically disappear And so we're the only country where our plan to fight the coronavirus is literally fucking nothing. No fucking plan. And the reason we have no fucking plan is because Donald Trump's head is like a five-year-old. And someone said, hey, it it might disappear in in the hot weather. And so Trump has no fucking plan. His whole plan was, you know, when the heat comes, It'll just, like a miracle, it'll go away. That's his whole fucking plan to defeat this thing. Uh-huh. His plan is, he has no plan. Yep. We have no fucking
0: plan. Yep. People could just die. That's okay.
1: Yeah. It's fucking ridiculous.
0: Well, a smaller population is easier to control.
1: So, Bunny, let me tell you how my week was. I stopped liking ranch dressing this week.
0: Okay. I, I did not watch the video, but I did see it posted. It is a
1: stomach-churning video.
0: Really? It is a stomach-churning
1: video. Yeah. My original idea for the video was I like soy sauce. So what if I just try soy sauce on a bunch of different things, peanut butter and jelly, ice cream, you know, like, like that was my original idea, but we Uh didn't have soy sauce at that time. So the first time I did it, it was with Nutella right, and it was not that gross. The second video, which I did this week was with ranch dressing and I'm a big fan of ranch, but my number one mistake was I bought 99 cent ranch at the dollar store. Okay. And number two, I just went way too crazy with it, and uh, it, um, I said it in a very clean way at the end of the video. But if you're ever really fucking constipated, here's what you do: you get a bottle of black cherry Snapple, okay, and get a ninety nine cent ranch. You mix those some bitches together, and that will work like human Drano. Oh, you will become intimately familiar with your bathroom. But let me tell you, your pipes will be clean. <laughs> oh, man. That is what I learned <coughs> this week. So now I absolutely hate ranch dressing. So that's exciting. Uh-huh. Hey, honey, you want some ranch in that? No, no ranch. Never ranch. Please, for the love of God. I'm like that woman online with that teacher, no pomegranates. No pomegranates? You never saw that? Some teacher and she's going through her syllabus and like the one of the things on her syllabus is no pomegranates and explaining it to her class, she loses her fucking shit. Okay.
2: No, 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 pomegranates.
1: So that's me with ranch dressing now. So that's exciting that was my week
0: that's a that's a that's a cool background so what did you think of the video I put out some video
1: um it looks real spiffy and presentable you know yeah I showed it to Natasha and Natasha was like damn I would watch this is what she said. She was very impressed and I was very impressed. It looks very, very good. Yeah.
0: I might want to work out the room like, like, I think we, the two of us should stay where we are, you know, off to the side taking up as much room as we need there. But the, the room on the other side, I don't know. It looks like they're both too long, yeah, which would make pictures and things like that look kind of awkward putting them in. so I think yep. maybe maybe cut one down a bit and pull up the other one some is sort of what I'm thinking but I don't want to um, in, I don't want to invest too much time in this yeah. thing. This is like just kind of a mock-up you know yeah because i'll have to redo the whole fucking thing with the other stuff i want to do you know yeah. but i really wish there was a way to put your backgrounds into like like if you could just do backgrounds Somehow, yeah. So that we could put it in the bottom corner, then you had you had control over what images came up. Yeah. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. So if you wanted to put Eliza Dushku up for some reason, you know, it would come up in the bottom.
1: I don't have my I don't have my lighting rig up right now, so the outline of myself is uh, coming in and out. Oh yeah, and it's really freaking me out because I had a nightmare last night that I had lost all of my hair. <laughs> okay, and it scared the crap out of me. It was one of those dreams where, like, you wake up and you're so freaked out that you've got to check to make sure that it was just a a dream yeah so i woke up at like 3 a.m feeling my hair (laughs) so it's not getting all of my hair in this uh zoom call because i don't have the my lighting rig up and so it's it's really freaking me out and reminding me of my uh of my nightmare
0: well if i threw up a background that's exactly what would happen because yeah because it's so fucking white if i put a yes if i could figure out a way to hang like a black curtain or something like right behind me yeah I think that would do i think i would be able to process backgrounds
1: it actually looks a lot better when i say i don't have a green screen now i have a green outline like i like i just yeah. like a particular way so oh, that's interesting okay Maxwell, if you pop up, you might just be ahead. Of course, he's going to give it a try. There you go. You're not. You're not on the screen at all, Maxwell. There you are. There you are. Good job. So, how are you doing, Bunny? You sound great. Yeah, you sound wonderful.
0: I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good, Bo. There's something I forgot to mention last week. Yeah. Do you remember the story about last like around sometime last week the little boy who saved his sister from being killed by a dog? Yes. And Chris Evans sent him his shield or some shit like that. You know like yeah. Like, okay, good story, brave kid. You know, I don't want to like, I don't want to knock any of it. Okay, but I'm still disturbed at the idea of a six year old boy having the idea in his head that, well, if one of us were going to die, I figured it should be me. Like that's that. Def- seems really fucking wrong to me like we should be asking some more questions here you know not about the dog thing forget about the dog thing but there's something wrong going on in this kid's head yeah that's a bizarre in his head or in his life because that's just a bizarre thing for a six-year-old to say I think
1: yeah yeah I, I I feel that that leading up to the coronavirus society was preparing us all to make decisions like that. Because there is a period in time like near the end of 2019 in the beginning of 2020 where every time I went online, there was always the same meme and it was different things each time. and it was like, here are four TV shows from the 80s. you gotta get rid of three of them. Only one can survive. Yeah you're like here are four albums from the Beatles one of them's gotta go which one which one leaves and and then when like the coronavirus started happening it's like what if those memes were just preparing us to make difficult decisions about who gets to live and who gets to die yeah
0: I mean uh, I could see a kid say, saying like I knew it was a dangerous situation and I thought I could be Spider-Man. Like, that makes more fucking sense to me about why he would protect his sister from a dog. Yeah. You know? Then saying, well, might as well be me. <laughs> He's six.
1: You also, know I mean? this... Also, this seems to be the type of a thing that I would be... That would have happened in the 80s or the yeah. 70s back when kids could just leave the house all day you yeah. know kids kids aren't allowed to do that anymore but back in my day it was like okay i'm gonna go outside and play and it's like okay be back before dinner and then you just be gone all day on your own fucking adventure yeah. I'm going to go into the abandoned building over here. Then I'm just going to walk over to the school and break in and play in the playground and then maybe walk to the store uh, two blocks down. Yeah. You know, it seems like a dog attack story would have happened back then when like kids were just on their own and parents gave less of a shit. Yeah. Like, no,
0: this happened in 2020. Like where the fuck were your parents? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, he did a brave thing. I'm not trying to say he didn't. He did a brave thing. He saved his sister. And he took heavy fucking damage for her, too. Yeah, he did. That kid, man, that, scar, that scars for, that's staying for life.
1: You heard it here first, folks. Bunny is on Team Dog. I'm <laughs> you make fun of this brilliant heroic child? <coughs> Unlike my podcast co-host, I think that kids
0: shouldn't be mauled by dogs. Wow, bunny. Cold. I I ah. just I just feel that's a weird ass way for a kid to look at it. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Oh, see?
1: <laughs> the ghost of Maxwell keeps appearing and disappearing. <laughs> So that's exciting. I got that going for me.
0: I mean, I could see them saying something that they recognize the danger. And that they want to do something about it. And I I, I would think that they would pick their favorite superhero. Yeah. This, this is what Spider-Man would do. So this is what I'm going to do if he gave that kind of answer i wouldn't be worried about it because was like okay that sounds like a you're the parent man you tell me i haven't had any fucking no. kids i just find, find it a weird way of thinking
1: no see it is a weird ass way of thinking
0: yeah uh what else what else I, 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 am starting slow, but I've gotten out to two protests now. Good job. So, go out for a couple of hours or something like that. Good. But God, from from like sitting around this fucking house for the last couple of months, like, like, I, I can't even stand for long anymore. Yeah. You know? You. Yeah. So I have to take like standing practice now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm writing it down as Pilates. I stood for thirty minutes. Yep.
1: Fuck that. Yep. That's close <laughs>
0: enough. Close enough. Yeah. So uh, yeah, yeah, that uh, stormtroopers in the streets. Yep people cheering that on. Yep, there's secret police out there
1: that are invading that are invading various towns, various cities. How how do they
0: just fall for this? And think it's okay.
1: Yeah. All the people who were freaking the fuck out about Jade Helm 15 are now absolutely fine With Trump having a secret army that's just arresting people on the streets. Yeah. Yeah. Jade Helm 15. I
0: didn't forget that shit. Oh, good God, no. Or fucking, uh, what's his name? Lone Wolf McQuaid. Yeah. Who believed it was real... There's an American model for your hero. What the fuck is his name? I'm, my name. His name is escaping me. Which shows you a thing or two. I know what you're talking about. Walker, Texas Ranger, dude. Chuck Norris. Chuck Norris. Yeah. Jared
1: Padalecki.
0: Gerald Pal-
1: Padalecki? Jared Padalecki is going to be starring in the reboot in 2021. They're doing a reboot of Walker, Texas Ranger. It's just oh. going to be called like Ranger, I think. Yeah. Or just Walker or something like that. And Jared Padalecki is going to start and it's going to be on the CW and yeah, it's going to be a whole thing. Oh, wow. So we got to start thinking about Jared Padalecki from Supernatural in the same way that we do Chuck Norris. It's not the same, but we yeah. all need to start trying. Okay. You know, you know uh COVID nineteen uh tried to get Jared Padalecki sick, but instead COVID nineteen caught the Jared Padalecki. Yes. Yes. We need to start making jokes like that is my point. Okay. We need to start doing.
0: Okay. Um G. What else? I had a train of thought there. Yeah, yeah, so I'm I'm really starting to go just more and more pro-virus, you know? I mean... Yeah. We have stormtroopers in the streets. Shit's just getting worse. He's just going to send more stro- stormtroopers to other cities, and so far the cities are caving in. Yeah. You know? we yeah. have we have a woman who has been trafficking children for fucking years yeah. and none of us have any confidence that she's being brought to any kind of justice whatsoever
1: and then and then all of these republicans that were like Well, Pizzagate. You know that Hillary Clinton was raping and eating babies, and she's an accused uh, sex trafficker, and she traffics babies into the basement of this pizza place where she drinks their blood and eats their fresh flesh and rapes them and eats them and kills them. And and, and the the Clintons are the biggest uh, child uh, porn child sex traffickers in the history of America. And then they arrest this sex trafficker and the president says i wish her well and you hear nothing from these pizza motherfuckers yeah that the president just said to one of the biggest sex traffickers in the world i wish her well and it's like oh well that's fine but let's go back to um, how hillary clinton has been eating baby flesh in the basement of a pizza place. Yeah. Fucking ridiculous. Here is the president wishing a sex trafficker well on cameras in front of everybody, Uh and that's fine. But but the
0: squad has to get out of the country. Yeah. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. It's insane. It's in. It's insane. Yeah. yeah. I mean the 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 amount of evil in the world is just what surprises <clears throat> me about it all. You know. Yep.
1: Yeah. Yeah. This is my box of edibles. Cool. And. I've got a bunch of different edibles in here, different kinds, and it's really pretty. It's like a rainbow. Ah! It's like a rainbow of in here. I don't know if you can see it, but it's very pretty. It's like I got minerals at 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 some uh, rest rest stop. Yeah, you know,
0: I uh. I have to find some sugar-free ones now. Yeah. Yeah. So, haven't had any, had any luck yet. But. Hey. Hey. Sugar-free edibles. So, if anybody's listening and just wants to send along some sugar-free edibles, I'm not going to say no. Yeah. I'm not going to yeah. say no. Yeah,
1: send it to that man. Yeah, not Maxwell
0: Bunny. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, so a couple of protests so far. Because um, because like because like get tear gas. what? You didn't get tear gas. I didn't get tear gas. These were kind of quiet. Oh, man. These were kind of quiet, like in the earlier evening, before any of the real action starts you yeah. know but now we're trying to get fired the officer pig got, we're trying to get the pig fired that posted on facebook to fucking kill them all referring to the protesters yeah this is in Colorado Springs it's this oh, is yeah, not a big news this is not a big fucking town yeah. well he still has his job man Hmm. So you're saying that that is the sentiment of the police force while we're protesting police brutality and they brutalize us. <laughs> well, you know, ah, uh, it's insane. It's insane. So so you know so that's it you know uh, that's that's what has me feeling like very pro virus you know we've yeah. had a we've had a good run you know yeah I I I I don't know who would survive I mean growing up it either would have been Vincent Price or Charlton Heston you know yeah but they're both dead. It can't be Will Smith. It can't be Will I'm
1: Smith. More, I'm thinking more uh, Day of the Comet or whatever that movie was. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, I love their eyes in, in the Omega Man. That's what's yeah. always stuck, those inverted, and Anthony Zerbe. Those two things. like, Yeah. You know. That's the imagery I want to see come back. Yeah.
1: We should all start uh, dressing post-apocalyptically now. Yeah. Just to sort of get the jump on things, you know? Yeah. I'm going to start wearing a bucket on my head and spikes. uh uh-huh. A lot of neon colors, I'm thinking. Some face <laughs> paint. Some face know? paint, Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. get a jump. On I, now. I think. I think we need to do a lot more with masks. Go to go to either like like pure leather with some Hi. kind of opening. As as masks go, for, evolve from like a medical need to a, a fashion accessory that has yeah. just become socially acceptable. So you have they have some kind of slit there, but like you have like teeth carved in the leather, or so, you know you know. Yeah, something like
1: that. I was thinking like the Blacklight Gang from Batman Forever. When Yes,
0: oh god, I love them. You
1: know, when when Robin steals the Batmobile and he goes on a joyride and suddenly he's in the alley and the evil Blacklight Gang shows up. Like yeah. that's when like that type of like Jeff Hardy face. Yeah. We're all going to do our own face paint and it's going to look weird and then black light and we're all going to look awesome.
0: (laughs) That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. 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 There are Nazi bronies. Jesus Christ. My little pony Nazi problem. There are Nazi bronies. That's another reason why the virus should win. Yeah cop rock cop rock it's another reason why that, the virus should win that what was, was the pushing the envelope the envelope of shit. <laughs> the shit what was that were you saying something again no nope. oh, okay but I think that we have reached the end here. I don't. I don't have anything else I could think of. I'll think of everything else in the next segment. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I've got a decent one. Okay, let's on. He- let's head on over to Shap.
1: Okay,
0: you know. But see now, now. When we go to the other system, in our little windows, it could put animations over it so it could have, like, a door slide. And like, you could reach up and try to pull it and shit like that. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And then the doors will close and we'll change the screen to the shaft screen. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And cut on that. And cut on that. It's
1: the day of the show, y'all. It's the day of the show, y'all. And boom, buddy. Yes. If you're like me, then you're no doubt a big fan of this podcast, the Pope on Film. I mean, who is it in this in this day and age? I mean, Pope on Film Mania is is just sweeping the country but only real fans of the show true hardcore fans of the pope on film would know two things about the both of us two fundamental facts about america's hottest will they or won't they couple bunny and steve first and foremost the first absolute true fact about you bunny is that you teach troubled inner city youth at a high school Bunny, how do you reach today's troubled inner city teens when you're teaching them?
0: I'm from the streets and I could still speak the streets.
1: I'm thinking leather
0: jacket you put your your Uh, chair backwards. Yeah. Baseball cap to the side. Mm -hmm. I can relate. Yeah. Okay, That's why they're not afraid to talk to me. Okay? They can see Today through we're... all of this. Yeah. They can hear Today what's coming we're... from my heart. Today we're going to be
1: talking about the greatest rapper in history. What? Shakespeare? <laughs> yeah, That's what I was thinking. <laughs> and the second thing that you would know about me is that I'm a lover of history. I love it. But I'm also a storyteller. So this is what I like to do. I like to get a story from the history books, maybe one that people don't know too well, uh, polish it up real good, and uh, bring it back out into the world with my own unique voice attached. So that's what this is. Another educationally uneducational installment of Steve's Historic Approximations! Or Shap, as I like to call it repeatedly, annoyingly, whether anyone wants me to or not. Personally, I like the name Shap. It's shortened to the point, like a punk song, like any song of the Ramones. Yes. Anywho, this week on the old Shapity Shap Shap, we will be discussing a bit of roller coaster history that echoes another story we have talked about recently on the podcast, specifically. It was 23 episodes ago in episode 244 when we discussed the 1997 cult classic documentary Hands on a Hard Body.
0: Okay. Yeah. I
1: went and checked out that episode. It was pre-corona. I had just went to go see the movie 1917. It was
0: ages ago. Yes.
1: Ages ago,
0: anyway. I, I, ages ago. It was so many ages, I forgot about that movie.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it, that would have been more of an impressive film if Hollywood hadn't been closed down right after it won a bunch of awards, but, like, it, 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 that was a pretty good movie. That was an alright movie. A, and that movie is the reason why Donald Trump keeps calling the, oh, the coronavirus, this pandemic, America has never seen this before. The last time America saw anything like this was in 1917. You all know about what happened then. Very sad. And it's obvious that he's talking about the 1918, but he's getting it mixed up with what won Oscars. Yeah. And it's wonderful. And he keeps saying 1917 that, oh, yes, the, the pandemic of 1917. Yes. Very sad.
0: People dying <laughs> in a war. Yeah. So, um, hands I don't on think, heart- I don't think that, no, 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 no. I I got to stop here and recognize the fucking genius of what you've just said. Cause I have heard people speculate on this before and certainly other comedians have said it before, made jokes about it before. But I don't think I've ever heard anybody put the fucking connection together the way you did.
1: He keeps you know? calling it he, yeah, he keeps calling the, the, the last pandemic nineteen seventeen instead that of 1980.
0: That makes total fucking sense. Yeah, yeah. And I don't think I've heard anybody say it. Yeah,
1: yeah, that is one hundred percent the reason why he keeps saying he keeps being one year off is because he has the brain of a five year old. He has a five year old's brain. Yeah. We already we have already made this distinction. Anyway, Hands on a Hard Body is a documentary about a small town called Longview, Texas, where every year a Nissan dealership would have a contest where 24 people would put their hands on a brand new Nissan truck, pickup truck, and whoever was left standing would win the truck. And the documentary focused on one particular contest in 1995 that lasted 77 hours. See? Uh Back then, it's the 90s. Thanks to the power of retro, there was a resurgence of endurance contests for a period in time of the 90s. And it was like a flashback, you know, like in the 80s, 50s, diners were really popular. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like that. So uh, there were a lot of endurance contests like hands on a hard body throughout the 90s. Um, And it was it was a it was a guaranteed headline grabber. Yeah. Do an endurance contest like that at the time. So let's put that on hold and talk about one of the most famous roller coasters on Earth. The Giant Dipper. Okay. okay, that was a bit of a trick. There are a shit ton of giant dipper roller coasters out there. <laughs> calling a roller coaster giant Dipper is like calling someone John Smith. Okay, you know there's just a there's a shit ton of John Smith's out there. but um specifically, we're going to be discussing the giant Dipper in San Diego which is, of course, Spanish for a whale's vagina. See, um, that roller coaster has a big history. It was originally built in Mission Beach, San Diego in 1925. And sure, it's not running right now due to COVID-19, but damn it, it's still operational. And that's quite a landmark right there for a roller coaster to be built in 1925 and for it to still be... Operational. Yeah, I'm oh. sorry.
0: I, I need to interject. Jeannie dropped off some roasted pine nuts that she made, left over from what she's cooking for dinner. These things are awesome. Roasted
1: pine nuts. These
0: are fucking awesome. Uh, I'll eat yeah. some
1: roasted. I'll eat some roasted crisp pine nuts. Yeah. I have no problem with that. He was a very handsome man. I liked <laughs> I realized that I never saw the third Star Trek reboot film. I saw Star Trek, and I saw the one where the filmmakers were like, Khan isn't in this. This isn't Khan. Khan is not going to be in it. And then the movie came out, and he said, okay, yeah, Khan is in this film. But I never saw the third one.
0: I saw the third one. I keep forgetting what the fuck it's about. Yeah
1: like i downloaded it but i haven't seen it because i'm like i guess this is why i didn't see the third film because now i have it and i still don't want to see it
0: there's, there's spock and mccoy are stuck on a planet together there's a there's a like black and white chick hmm. or something i think it was all like war paint in the customer of her planet or i don't know hmm. Yeah, I guess I'll
1: watch it eventually. So anyway, the Giant Dipper, San Diego, opened in 1925, and it's still going strong. It, that's quite a landmark right there. And and it's even more of a landmark when you learn of the history of the ride. A fire destroyed it in 1955, and it was shut down for two years for repairs. They could have just closed it. I mean, it was destroyed. <laughs> but no, they rebuilt it. And it was still there. It was made a historical landmark in the 70s and then again in the 80s. Okay. It's a long story, but it, owners changed hands and they renamed it and then it changed hands again. And then the owners renamed it back to the name that it was in the beginning. So, um, Basically, the roller coaster was a historic landmark twice, so it's sort of double historic. And seeing as this roller coaster was twice as historic, in 1997, for the coaster's 72nd anniversary, the owners of the coaster decided to do something really special. And watch! as our two differentiating threads of plot combine into one singular thread as the owners of San Diego's Giant Dipper decide to do an endurance contest.
0: Okay. In 1997,
1: sponsored by 100.7 FM, The Star. Hello, you're listening to 100.7 FM, The Star. The time is now 8.45. It is 72 degrees out there. Um, they held a contest entitled, get this, World Till You Hurl. Oh, man. So here's the rules. Contestants would constantly be riding the Giant Dipper roller coaster from 7 a.m. to 12 p.m. every day, and when they weren't riding, they would have to sleep in the coaster. No blanket, no pillow. Sleep in the coaster, and then when you wake up, back to writing. The contest went on for eleven days.
2: Right. So,
1: eleven days. Oh, what fun! A winner was chosen. The, uh, on the eleventh day, and an oversized check for fifty thousand dollars was handed out, and the giant dipper garnered a lot of publicity. So much so that they decided to do it again in 1998. Oh, didn't we have so much fun last year doing this? Let's do it again. Um, and and this time, instead of giving out $50,000, we're going to give out $55,000. And this time, 1998, that's when the shit hit the fan. Okay. See, in 1997, it was a fun contest. We, this is fun. Only 11 days. There's a winner. There you go. So this was the 1998 contest. They chose a random assortment of people. Um, But they were different people. These people were hungry. These people were desperate. These people were young, hungry, desperate motherfuckers who wanted to win that money. It's like the difference between the Battle of Endor yeah, and, and D-Day. Uh-huh. Because one has heads exploding and young people dying on a beach. And the other has midgets in Muppet costumes throwing rocks at people. <laughs> yeah. That is the difference between the 1997 giant dipper world till you hurl contest and the 1998 giant dipper world till you hurl contest because they start out summer 1998 we're gonna start this here you go this is gonna be fun and so a week goes by and all these people are still going strong but who's going to who's going to to last until the end and it whittles down to like i don't know 18 people and then two weeks go by and wow look at this two weeks and these people are still going strong isn't that amazing and it's whittled down to like eight people and then three weeks go by yeah and they're like wow these people are in it to win and you're listening to 100.7 fm the star we're still here the giant dipper in Mission Beach, San Diego. It's been three weeks, and these people are
0: still going strong, and it's down to six people. Do you like Pina Coladas? Because that would kick in right after that. Yeah. That's yeah, the song that nice. would kick in. That was as soon as he's finished with the announcement, he's kicking that yeah. song or something by Christopher Cross.
1: A month goes by, and there are five people left and the radio station starts getting a bit concerned. Yeah. The Giant Dipper is starting to get a little bit concerned, but wow, these people really want to win. (coughs) Six weeks go by. Six weeks go by, and the Giant Dipper people are going, "Um, guys? Should this have, I don't know, stopped by now? Should we put a stop to it? Six weeks go by, same five people. Yeah. Same five people. Two months go by! Those five people are still on the ride!
0: Okay.
1: It has now been 70 days!
0: Oh my god.
1: And these five people are still on the ride and they're being interviewed and they're being, people know them and they're getting famous. And all of these people are saying the same things. It's like, you will have to pry my dead body off of this cheap roller coaster because I am not leaving. I want that $55,000. I'm not leaving at all, period. Eventually. On the seventy seventh day of continual roller coaster riding, the radio station put a stop to it.
0: They would have to. They should have done it earlier, man. I mean, I can't imagine what riding a roller coaster that long would do to your fucking body. Yeah, I'm sure not necessarily anything permanent, but like. How long is it going to take for them to walk again after getting off that fucking thing?
1: You would get, like, two 15-minute breaks and one half-hour break a day. Yeah. But most of the time, you're just sitting in a roller coaster. Your equilibrium has to be shot from being jostled around so much. Your, Your legs have to be fucking... But if the radio station hadn't stopped it, then, yeah, they would have just kept going until somebody fucking died. Yeah. 77 days. Over two months go by, and these five refused to give up. So eventually the radio station had to stop it, and, and there were still those same five contestants, and uh, they forced – um they they came to an agreement, and they raised more money – and uh, each, con- each of the five contestants split uh, the money, so each of the five got 12000 each. Okay. And that had to be a letdown to at least some of those five. Oh,
0: you yeah. Know? So you Especially when this- you're ready to hang into death and you've already fucking proven it yeah yeah you
1: you stayed on a roller coaster for over two months to get fifty five thousand dollars and you were forced to take twelve thousand. like on one hand, good job. On the other hand, that's gotta be a real fucking letdown. You yeah. wasted a lot of time for a lot less money than you thought you were gonna get. but, yeah. That's an insane, that's an insane story. I can't imagine riding a roller coaster for an entire day, let alone 77 goddamn days. Yeah. Uh-huh. That is crazy. And I got to say, I know that I say this usually during <laughs> the every, uh, shop, but I'm surprised that more people don't know this. Wow. I, I, uh, was going through old PBS videos. Yeah, and I an hour long salute to old amusement parks, and it was a it was an hour long PBS documentary that they made in the '90s, and I was having a fun time watching it on my computer, and then googling to see if the parks were still open. Okay. It was really sad to see that like three of them closed down but i was impressed that so many of them were still around and it's like god damn they built kennywood amusement center and fill it in uh in pennsylvania like in 1914 or some shit like that and it's still around and it's open right you can go to it and there are rides that have been there since like the 20s and 30s and it's like it's insane (laughs) but they ended up doing a look at the the history of the Giant Dipper in San Diego during the contest so okay. they interviewed so for this hour long PBS documentary that I found on YouTube they interview each one of the five people Yeah, and it's really interesting and it's like these five individuals have been riding this ride for five weeks now oh and it's like, uh, it, it, and they go through each person and they interview them. And it's like, you can see in their eyes, like, they had to put a stop to this because they were going to be there until they fucking died. Yeah. These five people. It's insane. That's why they don't do these anymore. <laughs> this is why you don't see roller coaster endurance contests because motherfuckers are crazy.
0: Yeah. Man, I can't, I mean, I mean, is why. I mean, so how, many, that- how many laps would it be until it just wasn't fun anymore? I, I, I discovered all of that information
1: of how many rides, how many miles, how many hours, and I just... I don't know where that information went, because it's not here on my notebook. So maybe I was high when I wrote it down, but I have no idea. But yeah, no, that's really got to fuck with you. Because, like, I... When I was in Arizona, we would always go to water parks because it's 120 degrees and your bones are melting. So we spent a lot of time at water parks. And one thing that I noticed is that if I spent the day at the water park and then afterwards I came home and I'm sitting in front of the computer, you do get land sickness. Okay. Like in uh, Water World, when they finally reach dry land, and uh, Kevin Costner's character is like, I've got to go. I'm, this doesn't feel right. I've got to go back. And one of the humans in in Dryland with him is like, that's just called land sickness. You'll get used to it. And that's what it is. Like you get seasickness because you're used to being stationary and suddenly your body is rocking like a motherfucker. But when you spend an entire day at the water park and then you sit down on the couch, you still feel... your body sort of rocking because you just spent five hours in a like in a uh, wave pool so I imagine that like the people who were in this endurance contest and rode a roller coaster for 77 days that like for the next year or two you know the person would be at church and then suddenly they would raise their hands up
0: Yes, Uh you know
1: or they're at the library reading, and suddenly they'd be like, "Woo!" Sorry,
0: sorry. Yeah. I I'm just I'm I'm picturing them walking. <laughs> they'll take a couple of steps, and then they'll start creeping up onto their tiptoes, and then back down again. Yeah, and walking and, a yeah. few steps, and
1: they're walking straight, and then suddenly they're like this. They're they're just going oh to the side, oh to the other side. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You get roller coaster sickness. Yeah. So that's it for Steve's historic approximations this week. Next week, we will be talking about the surprise deaths or was it murder of one of the Our Gang kids? Okay. We're going to be talking about Our Gang yes. and the death of one of the stars. Or were they murdered? Question mark. Yes. So that's next week. So join us next week for more uneducational, educational fun with Steve's historic approximations. And cut on that. Uh, There you go. Bunny. Yes. Uh, We still have a movie to get to. We need to discuss uh, Fred Willard. We need to discuss Harkins Theaters. We need to discuss Bob Balaban, Parker Posey, Um, Bob Odenkirk and David Cross. We need to talk about Martin Short, damn it. Yes. But before we get to any of that, maybe we should take a break. Should we take a break? We should take a break. Okay, I concur. We will be right back with more of the laughter. Pul- after the do, 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 do,
0: If Bob is mad, it is mercy. May the gods pity the man who in his callousness can remain sane to the hideous end.
1: Hey, no religion's perfect.
2: Please be reminded that once the show starts, if you plan on talking, if you feel like singing, and if you can't stop dancing,
0: then you're in the right place. We are the Boogie Love! And it's time for all you kids to get out of your seats and join us. So Sh- and I, shake join Koop Susie and me, Toofy, for a whole new interactive movie-going experience. We're singing along. Dancing along and playing along are all part of the movie fun. Can I borrow your blanket, please? Now I'm moving. And only an event this awesome could bring so many cool stars together, like Tony (sighs) Graxton! Glorious Leachman. I hope you'll join me in singing and dancing. Christopher Lloyd. Jazz commentary. I'll give you the house special. Carrie Elway. Don't forget to wobble. And Jamie Presley. (laughs) Holy mackerel. From the marketing visionary of Teletubbies, Thomas the Tank Engine and Friends, and Eloise, and Academy Award-nominated director, Matthew Diamond. I'd like sweet pickle, dill pickle, warm pickle, chill pickle, please. Ooh, my favorite. I could use some fish to all business more right now. The Oogie Loves in the Big Balloon Adventure. This adventure doesn't start until you join in the fun. I can hardly wait. Only in theaters, Oogis 29th. <laughs> Rafi. Oh, sorry.
1: And we're back with more of the Pope on Film. three, Bunny!
0: Act three. Act three.
1: Yes, Bunny, my friend, my brother in arms, my some third thing. It is time once again for all of us here at the Pope on Film to casually stroll on in, mosey on in, some third thing on in to our third and final act. And for those of you out there in the ether who may be a tad bit uninitiated as to how things roll, the third and final act of this show is when we finally and eventually get around to discussing our amazing, all new, all different, and finally available without a prescription movie of the week. And this week, we continue our summer-long celebration of actor Fred Willard with a look at a now-legendary 1997 cult classic film. This film hit film festivals in 1996, but was released in February 1997. But on the internet, most people say it's a 1996 film because it came out in some film festivals, and uh, that's bullshit, and I hate it when that happens. Yeah. Nowadays, looking to see when a movie came out is difficult because it's like, wait... Here it says that it's a 2018 film. This says it's 2019. I'm really confused, and you have to figure out, like, where it had premiered as to when it actually came out. But anyway, yes, there are some people out there that do not like this week's movie. And to those people, I say, I say that you are bastard people, is what you are. (laughs) Bastard people, and I am going to go home, and I'm going to, I'm going to bite my pillow, is what I'm going (laughs) to do. Let's discuss this film, because it's the day of the show, y'all. Yes. We're doing Waiting for Guffman. Yes. Now, as always, before we get anywhere close to the meat of this, let's start our discussion with this, our eighth Fred Willard movie. Yes. Very happy with those numbers. Um, With a trip once again to the old Fred Willometer to see just how much Fred Willard is in this movie. And I dare say, with the exception of Riff Track Presents Missile to the Moon, which doesn't count. Yes. This is the most Fred Willard we've gotten so far.
0: I I would really have to agree. This This was rich in Willard. Yeah.
1: Fred Willard as Ron Albertson, travel agent who had penis reduction surgery. Yes. Plus, this is the second movie in a row where Fred Willard pops up exactly at the five minute mark. Yeah, okay. Because last week... Fred Willard popped up at the exact at, at exactly the five minute mark as the AM radio station owner. Uh-huh. And and I went back and looked. I didn't I didn't point out exactly the moment when Fred Willard popped out for all eight movies. But I believe this is the third film out of the eight movies where he literally shows up at the five minute mark. The other <laughs> one, Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. Three of our eight films have had Fred Willard pop up in the first five minutes of the film. I don't know why I'm pointing that out, but I think it's
0: interesting. I, I, I think it's interesting. It's got to mean something. Yeah, yeah. Five-minute Fred Willard. Not sure what that is. but Like, like you get billed different. Like you get, you get credited differently. And because of it, you get, you get more money by contract. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like yeah. well to qualify for this character you need to come in this kind of character you need to come in at the 5 minute mark. Yeah. You know, like like it sounds like I see now I I completely made that up. But it sounds like it, it sounds means like it something.
2: Be. Yeah.
0: You know. It sounds like it would be a thing. And that thing could be boring. Could be, you know.
1: I came up with the idea to put my Zoom background as best in show about a minute before you came back. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to put this background on, and then I'm just here waiting. I wonder when Bunny's coming back. I wonder when... Oh, shit, why don't I just put waiting for government? Okay, no. Uh, God damn it. Type, 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 type. <laughs> so... Um, personally, I think this is one of Fred Willard's greatest performances. This... And uh, best in show, yeah, which we'll get to eventually. And I, I, I wasn't going to say this because I forgot what website I saw it on, but I'm going to mention it anyway. One of the websites that I went to is looking for information for this week's film listed. Uh, oh, here are um, my. Here's our list of the top five best. Christopher Guest mockumentaries. And their list was as follows. Best in show, number one. Okay. Number two, Mascots. Okay. Number three, w- whatever the third one was. Number four, Waiting for Guffman. And number five. Was for your consideration, and I was really upset about that because you do not put Corky St. Clair right there with fucking for your consideration. Yeah, god damn it. He was he he played on Broadway. Well, he played off, 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 off Broadway. Yeah, but still, god damn it, you don't do that to my man Corky.
2: Uh-huh.
1: I forgot the shock of seeing Corky St. Clair pop up in mascots. When we did that film forever ago, remember the Christopher? We did Guest that. Film?
0: Uh, yes, I rem- I remember it.
1: Yeah, uh, one of the one of the mascots is played by Parker Posey, and so she needs help with her character. So she calls Corky. So Corky pops up. Yeah. Okay. Means, and we talked about it during that film that that means that there's a Christopher averse Yes. Where all of these movies coincide. What was the other film? What was the other Christopher Guest mockumentary that was sandwiched between mascots and Best and Waiting for Guffman? I don't know. Anyway. Now, Bunny. yeah, Today we'll we'll be talking about our man here, Corky St. Clair. Now, a lot of people, of course, know him from his work in the Blaine, Missouri community theater scene. Uh, well, you know, there's a lot of barefoot in the park stands out there. Yes. And then on Tumblr, there's huge backdraft, the musical fans out there. I mean, I'm sure you've seen the fan art. Um, and of course, and of course, the, uh-huh. the biggest fandom, the biggest fandom out there, uh for red white and blame, but i actually saw him off 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 broadway in 1991 when i was living in new york um i saw him in the starring role in the musical cornelius mcgillicuddy and his truly amazing flying machine at the 187th street cellar theater it was truly sublime what i liked about that play was the conceptualization the whole abstraction the obtuseness of the production to me is what was interesting. Bunny, your thoughts? I liked it. I liked it. (laughs) (laughs) That is, the play I mentioned was one of the posters in his apartment. I paused yes. it. And took a really good look, but he was in Cornelius McGillicuddy and his truly amazing flying machine, a far out musical at the One Hundred and Eighty Seventh Street Cellar Theater, which you just know is a basement somewhere.
0: Yes. Uh huh. You know
1: that that is his definition
0: of we're aw- just with aw- just folding chairs set up. Yeah. And yeah. there and there's like no lighting to speak of or anything like that
1: yeah so uh i'm full of fun facts about this film for example the town historian plays two parts in this movie let me explain so originally they gave him the part of the principal of the high school uh-huh. And he was an uptight character, and his entire thing was, look at you guys, you're, you're, you're scuffing the floor of our gymnasium. Yeah. I mean, I'm fine with you theater people using our gymnasium, but we have basketball here on Tuesday, and you're scuffing up the floor. Yeah. You're scuffing up the floor of the, <laughs> can, can, you, can you take off your shoes? And that was his whole part. But then when they were editing the film, they cut him out. And so Christopher Guest was upset. So they added more footage of him as a different character. And that was the town historian. And they thought that that would help the play. And, and he would explain the history of Blaine and all that. But they left in a scene with him as the principal. Okay. Okay. So in the beginning of the film, he is the town historian. But then when you see him during uh, intermission or as m- Mrs. Dr. Pearl says, halftime. Yeah. You see him in halftime. That's a scene left over from when he was the principal. So in the beginning, he's there, it's like, we're really excited for the sesquicentennial and 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 we're just chomping at the bit here to get information out there. And I'm so excited. Let me tell you about Blaine. But then when you see him uh, at the play, he's like, yes, it's, uh, it's a fine musical. Uh, some of the numbers are really good. Uh, some of them are re- really getting your brain like an earworm. I, I, I'm having a hard time getting them out. It's maddening. <laughs> it's like, that's a different character yeah that was a scene left over from when he was the principal so technically that guy has two parts in the movie cool i think that's interesting fun fact here's another fun fact for you david cross has a small but memorable part as a ufo expert and i love that scene yeah uh nabali I love that entire scene. Um at the time David was on uh, was uh half of the late night HBO sketch comedy show Mr. Show with Bob and David and soon eventually to be breaking bad's own Bob Odenkirk has another small had another small part in the movie but that scene was cut. Okay. But still but all he was one of the people uh, who was auditioning for the play, and also all of the actors who auditioned came up with their own auditions. Nice, and and so uh, Bob Balaban and and um, uh, Corky they were unaware of what the actors would be doing for <laughs> for their auditions. So Parker Posey came up with the song "Teacher's Pet," found the old song, and sang it, and came up with the 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 everything. So I think that that's cool. Um, So David Cross from Mr. Show with Bob and David, he's the UFO expert. Bob Odenkirk was auditioning to be in the play and they cut out his audition, but there is about a two second sequence where you can still see him in the hallway waiting to audition. He is, he has a face makeup and he looks like a goth. He's dressed as a vampire and he's got a coat and everything. And you just see him just standing on the wall, waiting to audition. And that's Bob Odenkirk. So in order to explain what they're doing in this film, Bob Odenkirk and David Cross from Uh HBO. Mr. Show with Bob and David. Let's talk about Martin Short. Okay. Uh, Martin Short and Christopher Guest were both in SNL. And apparently they were real uh, yeah. buddies. Okay. They were real, uh, like good buddies with each other. They still are. And so Christopher Guest is telling his friend Martin Short about this movie idea. It's, it's going to be called Waiting for Goffman, and this is what it's about. And Martin Short fell in love with the idea. He's like, this is such a great idea. This is going to be a wonderful film, and, and, and I can't wait to do it. When are we doing it? What part are you going to give me? I'll star in it. I'm so excited. When do we start? And Christopher Guest was like, okay. Let me explain why you're not getting a part in this film. Okay. Um, slow your roll there, chief. For this role, I want fairly unknown people. Not people that are entirely unknown, but I can't have stars in this film because when people see I want this to be to feel real, I want this to be a to feel like an actual documentary. I want it to be real. And because of that, like, I can't have a Will Smith in this or yeah. a Jeff Goldblum or a Brad Pitt or a Martin Short. And so I'm sorry. But you're too much of a face and you can't be in this. And Martin Short was really upset. But that brings us back to Mr. Show with Bob and David, because HBO picked it up and HBO aired it. And also HBO fucking hated it. Okay. HBO hated Mr. Show with Bob and David. After the first season, they made a movie with HBO about one of the characters from the first episode of, of Mr. Show with Bob and David and HBO saw the completed film and said, this is the worst film we've ever seen. And we will not release this. Okay. It eventually took like, I would say almost a decade, I think until the movie was actually released like straight to DVD. And I was so excited to finally see the movie and I'm sorry, Bob Odenkirk, and david cross but hbo was right the movie is shit <laughs> it's called run ronnie run and it's real fucking bad it's it's basically like uh the problems with America americathon they got a 10 minute skit they yeah. turned it into an hour and 45 minute movie it's too much of a stretch and it's just not a good film but mr show premiered on hbo in 1995 and because HBO hated it, you know, they would change the air times. They would change when new episodes would come out. They would postpone yeah. new seasons. And they were basically trying to bury this show while also showing it on HBO. So in 1997, uh, Christopher Guest makes Waiting for Guffman, and he doesn't want famous people. And in nineteen ninety seven no one was less famous than the star of an HBO television show <laughs> okay so they so they put so he put Bob Odenkirk and David Cross on here because he didn't want faces. and back then HBO wasn't like the 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 hit maker that it was yeah now now oh, you have a show on HBO oh wow, that's a big deal but Back then, I guess, like, oh, you have a show on HBO? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh-huh. that that stinks. so so yeah, that's why they are they are both in this movie. Uh, Bob Odenkirk's deleted scene is on YouTube, and I saw it. It's cute. He uh, uh, Christopher Guest filmed over sixty hours of footage, okay. this film and it took him a year and a half to edit which is insane but bonnie why don't you hit us with the plot because you're always good at
0: summarizing the plot i'm not as good as you are hit us the plot uh i may not have all of the minutiae (laughs) but basically it's a it's a town community small community play about the history of their town that they believe some big deal and like I didn't get he was from New York to begin with I thought he was still with a local paper is going to come and review their their play yeah and that is it. They are expecting Guffman. They're waiting yeah. for Guffman, this yeah. New York critic. I, I the, had... the, the, that's basically the whole plot.
1: Yeah, I It's how studied... we play
0: in and out of that is what's f- loads of fun. I studied
1: Waiting for Godot in college my freshman year, and so I didn't really want to see the movie when it came out, but I did see it just to see like, like, hey, Tom, I studied Waiting for Godot. I don't know what Waiting for Guffman is about, but I can tell you Guffman's not going to show up. (laughs) He's like, why isn't Guffman going to show up? And it's like, I don't know, but I I know waiting for Godot and Guffman's not going to show up. Somehow Guffman's not going to be in this movie. (laughs) And he's like, I don't know about that. We'll see. We'll go see the movie together. And I was right. And I was really happy about that. Uh To be clear, this movie bombed when it came out. This was a February movie. So that's when they release films that they're uh, scared and nervous about. So this movie cost four million dollars to make, and it made a little under three million dollars at the box office. Yeah, that's that's an insane pain. So no one saw this movie in theaters. It wasn't until it was released, it, it on like a. VHS and DVD and whatever that the film took off and became a cult classic and all of that and, and and led to all of the other subsequent films but I am proud to say that I saw this movie in theaters the day it came out and I'm really proud about that because no one saw this movie but I did see this in theaters at first I thought I saw it at the AMC Gateway Village 10 which was right by my house and where we all went To go see movies, but no, I saw it at Harkins Centerpoint Cinema on Mill Avenue in Tempe, Arizona. It was right by the college that I was going to. Yeah. So... I would be at college and then a 10 minute walk and I'm in the movie theater. So I would go there a lot and it was a two story movie theater. So there was like six screens down here and there were five screens up there. And so what I would do is I would, because it was so close to a college, I would, I, it was fine for me to, to walk into the theater with like a backpack. Uh huh. So in the backpack, I would put my contacts, a hat, a change of shirt, and I would go to a movie, and then I'd bring the paper with me, which was easy to get for free at the college. And back then, it would not only show what movies were playing at a theater, but the times and which uh, theater it would be playing in, in the theater. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, hey, this is playing at 845 in screen four. And so... I would go see a movie and then head to the bathroom, change my appearance. And okay. then with the paper say, okay, so this movie starts in 10 minutes uh, in screen six. Okay. And I would just, I would do uh, double features uh, once or twice, uh, triple features. I could spend the whole day hiding in that movie theater. <laughs> and it was great. So I, so Tom and I went to go see it. At Harkins Centerpoint Cinema. And then I I looked up the history of this theater because I wasn't sure if it was there anymore. Yeah. So Harkins Theaters were, they opened up this theater in the 90s and then it closed down in 2007. And then a company bought it and turned it into live theater space. But then they closed down in 2012 and then AMC bought it in 2014 and turned it back into a movie theater. So this movie theater I used to go to is still there, but it's completely different. Yeah. Because it's closed down and reopened up again. But anyway, I saw it with Tom, and this this movie was right up our alley, and we fell in love with it. But a lot of of the reasons why we first fell in love with this movie was because, again, no one saw this. So it was a good, like, year of us quoting this film before the rest of America caught up with our love of this film. Yes. For a while, it was just the both of us just going, it's the day of the show, y'all. It's just, it was just minor surgery. And calling people bastard people. Bastard people. I I fell in love with a lot of people in this movie. Number one, Parker Posey. Yes. Love Parker Posey. Specifically, her Libby May Brown. Basically, she is my ex, Debbie, if she was tall and didn't stink of the cheapest weed you could find. (laughs) Okay. Side note, I recently uh, found her on Facebook, and I just want to say how phenomenally I am aging. (laughs) At first, I was like, who is this goblin? And then I realized that I just have really good genes and uh, yeah, really, really proud of all of this right now. I kudos to Dr. Pearl's wife. Yes. Mrs. Dr. Pearl. She's just so goddamn believable. Yeah. She's just so believable as the stuck-at-home Jewish housewife. Yeah. She is phenomenal in this and almost plays the exact same character
0: in Best in Show. It's been a while since it's, I've seen Best in Show.
1: Yeah. So, it, it's so, so, like, I tracked her down and I'm like, I loved her in Best of Show and I love her in... Waiting for Guffman. I want to see, like, if I know her in anything else. And it took me a, it's a while, but I figured out where else I have seen her before. Her name is Linda Cash, Canadian comedian, actress. And she is apparently most well-known, according to Wikipedia, for being the Philadelphia cream cheese angel.
0: Oh. Oh, you remember those commercials
1: in the like 80s and 90s? No,
0: not at all. No, and there were
1: <laughs> commercials for Philadelphia cream cheese, and there was an angel on the clouds, and she would eat Philadelphia cream cheese, and it was so creamy and luxurious, like a cloud. And they did like sh- sh- that, wasn't Energizer Bunny level or flow from progressive level, but
2: yeah.
1: it, it was maybe. Remember, remember when that when remember when butter commercials had a plot. <laughs> remember that weird period in time where 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 like that one specific butter that came from a tub and there were plots and and two people fell in love while reaching for butter. Yes, and like there was a plot around that. Yes, right around there was the Philadelphia Cream Cheese Angel. And she was like the face of Philadelphia cream cheese for like a for like a, a number of years.
0: Well, how is she on the Mother Nature scale?
1: Uh, I don't know.
0: Like lower than know. Mother Nature? Yeah.
1: I don't know. Right about there.
0: Or imperial looks- butter, where you would get the crown. Imperial, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, right around there. And also, uh, this movie triggered some PTSD for me. Number one, Bob Balaban's uh, music teacher looks and sounds exactly like Perry, the manager from the bookstore in Sacramento that tried to force me to quit after the robbery so that... Barnes and Noble wouldn't be liable for, for the robbery that I was in. And so he specifically focused on all of us who were in the robbery and made our lives a living hell. If Bob Balaban was, um, homeless for a decade. Uh-huh then he would be Perry, the manager of the bookstore. I feel more comfortable talking about him now that I know that he fled America and is now living in Paris. (laughs) I feel more comfortable of saying he was a fucking piece of shit. Okay. Parker Posey had never done improv before. She had never ad-libbed before, and she wasn't sure if she was you know capable of doing it and like so Christopher Guest was like oh Fred Willard no problem Eugene Levy no problem not sure about Parker Posey but uh, apparently what Christopher Guest does is he doesn't uh have you audition he just talks to you yeah and so he sat down with actress Parker Posey and they just talked about themselves and their lives and after 10 minutes he was just like I know you can do it. You got the part. Nice. Just period. That was it. And it's like, oh, good for you, because Parker Posey's amazing in this. Oh, so oh, and she's I-
0: she's been pretty amazing in in all <clears> the <throat> guest films I've seen. She's always done a good job. Yes, she has. Yes, she has. The the, the busy bee. Oh, and 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 uh, again, she's in my Doogie Howser category, where I'm really kind of pulling for her. Yeah. to break out and become a bigger name than she is yeah same so more ptsd
1: when ron and sheila go out to eat with the pearls yes at the chinese restaurant um and sheila gets drunk okay that is 100 percent my mom when she's drunk yeah so goddamn perfect that it gave me PTSD. Like she, like she, like she f- followed my mom. Yeah. Like, like she was shadowing, like, like back in the day when, like, oh, Daniel Day Lewis is gonna be a, a a a train operator, so he goes and follows a train operator for like six months. You know, to prepare for school. It's like freaking Sheila followed my mom every Friday and Saturday night for like three months. (laughs) fact, Sheila being drunk at the Chinese restaurant, because that is 100% my freaking mom. It is crazy. It is crazy. So uh, I I just want a little shout out to a website I found. It's called Scraps from the loft.com. Okay. Mostly what it does is transcribes movies and TV shows. Yeah. And then just posts them on their website. So if you ever want the the a transcript of the last episode of Last Week Tonight or the movie Troll's World Tour, that's where you would go. Really? Okay but for whatever reason i found on there a ridiculously insanely massive story of the history of the making of waiting for government okay. it is so long that like not long enough to be a book but too long for a magazine yeah you know so it, it it's an impressive read especially for anyone who considers themselves to be a fan of this movie. And I, I, I seriously recommend it. It's, it's an amazing read.
0: Oh, it's, oh, 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 the reader, the movie, the movie is no, hysterical. Read.
1: Well, yeah, no, I also recommend the movie as well. It, but, but uh, Christopher guest movies are movies, at least for me, where it's like, they're funny, but not in a way where I am laughing out loud. It's like a subtle, quiet, funny yeah i did a lot of community theater in my teens and 20s i've met a lot of ron and sheilas yeah i've, I've met so many ron and sheilas and Corkies, and, and it's just and, and like oh my god it is just perfect it is just a perfect look At at people who I did plays with in Scottsdale, Arizona, (laughs) you know, and it's not, I I don't find the movie laugh out loud funny, but it's like, it's quirky enough that you fall in love with it.
0: I was at the exact right point of high when the, how many babies fit in a tire line came out Mm. and it fucking came close to killing me. Nice. I couldn't catch my breath. I was I was struggling for air. I I I I almost messaged you about it. So so like so like. I I I think drugs help waiting for government a lot. Yeah.
1: Right before we does she know that yeah okay right before we started recording i i I put another uh video on my uh story time with mr steve youtube page and it's just three minutes of corky saying everybody dance (laughs) i have been saying that i've been saying that nonstop for like two days (laughs) <laughs> nice. Everybody dance. Just, it, it's, it's perfect. Oh, that reminds me. The Bare Naked Ladies. Okay. Canadian band. Numerous hits over the years. I saw them in concert twice in the 90s. And when I saw them both times... You know, you know, during the concert, the one part where they're like. Here's the number where we let the drummer do something. Yeah. You know, like, oh, OK. Take it away, bass player. And, and so they there was one part of the show, both times when I saw them, where they let the keyboardist do a song. And he can barely sing, but both times he would do this, like, uh, uh, badly sung song. And and he's talking about the one thing he loves the most, and then the chorus is just clips of Beans. (laughs) Yes, Beans. Now, don't get me started about Beans. And it, it became this, like, legendary... Uh, a bare naked ladies song that they only did live and that they never released in an album, and it was their Bean song where they sampled "Waiting for Guffman." <laughs> and I just wanted to mention bare naked ladies because they 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 are an interesting band, and and um, uh, ever since one of the lead singers left because of his cocaine problem, the band hasn't been the same. But still, I will get you some of that when I'm done. Okay. I will get to some of that when I'm done. But that's all I've got for this movie. I love this goddamn movie.
0: Oh, this is a great movie.
1: This I love is a great movie. movie.
0: Highly recommend it.
1: I love this movie. My booby made a Kishka. <laughs> yes. Love that damn song so much. And oh, Libby May has yes. a part in my goddamn heart. Yes. So hard. But yes, highly recommended and uh, it, oh man, Fred Willard. <laughs> Fred Willard Fred is Willard, great yeah. in this film. Uh, next week, since this movie is what? 90s? Late 90s? We need to go someplace different and that's what I'm trying to do to, to go to different decades and different time periods. And so next week... Uh, I know nothing about this film. I didn't know it existed. I didn't know. I don't remember it coming out. I don't think I've ever seen it. All I know about this film is that Gilda Radner is in it. That's And it was written by, uh, what's his name, Buck Henry. Other than that, I okay. have no information about this goddamn film because I've never seen it before. Didn't know it existed, but I was looking for Fred Willard films. I found this. It's from 1980 and it's called First Family. Okay. It's already on our shared cough cough and it's just waiting for us. And it's like, have you seen this film before?
0: I'm sure I've seen parts of it. I remember at the time I found it kind of boring.
1: Bob Newhart, Madeline Kahn, Gilda Radner, Harvey Corman Rip Torn? Fred Willard, I mean, it, yeah, it, it. This has the smallest Wikipedia page <laughs> that I have ever seen. This is this is one of only two films that Buck Henry ever uh, directed. He wrote a shit ton of movies. He wrote the Day of the Dolphin. Yeah unwittingly, he trained a dolphin to kill the President of the United States. (laughs) But yeah, that's what we're doing next week. Next week, we're doing the film First Family.
0: First Family, okay. I don't know. I, I always liked Bob Newhart. You know? We're gonna see. I mean, it was a lot of years ago. It was probably the 80s. I think it was 1980 when it came out. Like, I believe they filmed it in 79 and it came out in 80. And it might have it might have come on HBO and I might have checked it out a little bit here and a little bit there and it not having grabbed me something along that line. So we we will see and taste can change and Yeah. I think this is one of those movies
1: where like Gilda Radner plays Madeline Kahn's daughter even though they're almost the same age. Yeah. Like B. Arthur and whatever her name was from The Golden Girls. Yeah, you know, Harrison Ford and Sean
0: Connery—they weren't that far in age. And I'm and I'm also feeling that that any of the political humor they wind up doing in this movie, we're gonna find it quaint. Yeah. <laughs> you know. yeah.
1: Probably. Yes. But that's next week. And now then I'm looking back at this week. Oh, the highs and the lows and the ups and the downs, the roller coaster sickness, the my little pony Nazis. I gotta say, I think this has been a pretty good episode of the podcast.
0: It has been a damn good episode of the podcast. Okay, good. I was gonna say the same thing, but
1: I wanted to Uh, you know, you're the person who makes that distinction, not me. I didn't want to step on any toes, but yes, I concur with your statement, good sir.
0: So until next week, I am Bunny Williams. and I am Reverend Steve,
1: and on behalf of Natasha and Maxwell and everybody else, I just want to say thanks for listening, and we will see you next week, you godless heathens. And
2: you, Captain Underpants?
1: Okay, sure. Why not? Oh, you're upset that you can't come and say something? You can stand right here and say something, but you can't appear on the screen because you don't have a shirt on, and I'm not going to jail. So you can stand right here, right there, stay right there, okay, and say something. But you gotta say it loud so they can hear you. And poopy! And poopy. There you go. You are a part of the show. Do 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 Doo do, do. Do, 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 do,
2: do Cut and print.